Well, one more time, good morning. We're really glad you're here. Hey, have you ever had this experience where um, maybe you went by somebody's house and they were watching a movie and you came in about halfway through the movie and it took you a while to catch up with what's going on or maybe you meant to go to the movies in a place like this and you got delayed and you showed up a little bit late and you missed the first few minutes and it takes a while to get caught up. Well, we didn't want that to happen with you today. We're beginning a sermon series called The Gospel of Mark, where we're going to, over the next few weeks, walk through the major highlights of this Gospel of Mark. Now, a gospel is simply a book in your New Testament, so if you have a Bible, it's one of the divisions of your New Testament that tells the story of Jesus. Now, you know what today is about, I hope. If you don't, let me catch you up. Today, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus, who came to this earth, gave his life, died on a cross. Today, we're celebrating the fact that he's not dead anymore. We're celebrating Easter, but we're going to back up to the beginning of the story. So if you have a Bible with you, you want to turn to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have one, hey, it's okay. The words will be behind me on the screen. And while you're turning there, let me catch you up with the, uh, the setup for where we're headed, all right? So when you read Matthew, one of the Gospels, Mark, the one we're studying, Luke and John, the four Bible books that tell the story of Jesus, when you read those, one thing becomes pretty clear. Here it is. That the people who were least like Jesus, the people who were least like Jesus, liked Jesus. And the people who were least like Jesus, Jesus liked them. It's very interesting because I think sometimes when you come to church, maybe on a day like today on Easter, where maybe for some of us we haven't been for a while or we know it's a big day to kind of celebrate the core of our faith, sometimes I think we get the idea perhaps from a guy like me that church and Jesus stuff is all for church people. Church is for church people. And yet when you read the beginning of the story, what you find out is that people who were least like Jesus liked Jesus, and Jesus liked the people who were least like him. And it turns it upside down for us a little bit. Somewhere along the way, for many of us in this room, for many people outside of this room, what happened is they, along the way, began to believe that all this church stuff and all this God stuff was really for people who kind of had their life all together. They had their I's dotted and their T's crossed and they dressed the right way and they didn't say the wrong kinds of words and they said the right kinds of words and they didn't smoke, drink, or chew or date girls that do. They, you you, you kind of you got the idea that they had it all together. But when you read the Bible, and this is one of my challenges to you today, when you read the Bible, what you find out is something completely different has happened. When you read the Bible, what you find out one more time is that people who were least like Jesus, who wouldn't fit into the category of having it all together, they liked Jesus. They wanted to get around Jesus. They couldn't wait to get around him. And when you read how Jesus interacted, what you find out with him is, is he couldn't wait to get around those folks either. And so when Mark begins his story of Jesus, history tells us that Mark got his story primarily from one of the 12 apostles by the name of Peter. Peter was an interesting fellow. And Peter began to tell Mark the stories of what happened with Jesus. When Mark wrote down his story, here's how he began his story. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. Mark doesn't begin like Matthew and Luke where he tells the story of Christmas. 
He doesn't do that. He jumps right in to the, to the middle of the story, and he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin telling the story about the beginning of the good news. That's what the word gospel means. The good news about Jesus, and he is the Messiah. That's simply a Bible word that means he's the one chosen by God. Now, here, here's where it gets interesting. Chosen by God to show people what God was like. I mean, the whole reason Jesus came to this earth is he wanted to show people what God was like. And so when Jesus would talk to people, it was very much as if God was talking to them. So when you and I read in our Bibles or we go to church and we hear somebody talk about the words of Jesus, what you're doing when you read the words of Jesus, maybe the letters in red in your Bible, or you hear somebody say what Jesus said, you're literally listening to the very words of God. And when you watch how Jesus acted in the Bible... You're really looking at the way God acts towards and his heart towards people. So when you see the way Jesus interacts, you're seeing the heart of God on display. The truth of the matter is what Jesus wanted more than anything else when he came to this earth was to help people understand what the Father was like, what God is like. And he used some powerful word pictures to do that. He said that when you see God, God is like... Well, it's like a relationship between a father and his child. A father and his child. Now, not, not your earthly father, but a perfect father. No matter how, many, how good your dad was, the heavenly father is so much better. And so when Jesus would talk about God, he would say like this. Now, when you talk to God, begin it this way. Our father who's in heaven, right? And that personal, intimate, deep, protective relationship between a father and a child jesus said i want you to understand that image because that's how god thinks about you he used another image he talked about how that a relationship with god was like the relationship between a vine and its branches that there is this life-giving transfer that happens between the vine and the branches. And so when you think about God, Jesus said to his crowds, we're going to find in the next few weeks, he said, think about it this way. It's like a vine connected to the ground, bringing nutrients up and then dispersing life to the various branches all over the place. One, one more image he used. He said, now this has been very important to the people who were living in Jesus' days. He said, the relationship that your father in heaven wants to have, a relationship with God is like this. It's like the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. Now, I don't know that many of you are sheep herders. I'm not. But in the ancient world, this was a very great metaphor for explaining what the relationship between God and his children here, us, on earth is like. He has this protective thing going on. It's like a father, a deep, deep abiding love. It's like a vine, a vine to the branches, life-giving. It's like a sheep and shepherd, it's protecting. Jesus' primary goal in coming to this earth and giving his life and ultimately being resurrected was so that you and I would know what the Father's heart towards us was. Now this was, this was very, very fascinating. So when you read then in the Gospel of Mark and the other Gospels, what Jesus does when he interacts with people, you're impressed with how clear and how obvious and even how simple what God wanted us to know about him really is. When Jesus was walking around in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, right at Mark chapter 1, about verse 17 and 18, 
He was walking around choosing his original disciples, his original followers, the group of people he would invest heavily in, the group of people he would be on display for, the group of people he wanted to know with great clarity what God was like. He said to this, he said to that group of people, he said, come and I want you to follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out and you'll fish for people. Now the people he was talking to, they were fishermen. And he said, look, you know what it's like to fish for fish. I'm going to teach you what it's like to fish for people and you're going to discover what it's like to help people understand what the Father's heart for them is and what a relationship with God is like. And the Bible says that once these fishermen got up and they followed him. And then just a few verses later, Jesus is walking around and he sees a few other people in Mark chapter 1 verse 20 and it says this, without delay he called to these other people and he said, I want you to follow me. And they left their father, whose name was Zebedee, in the boat and the hired men and they followed him hey, as well. I mean, everywhere Jesus went, he said, look, I want you it's to like, follow I, me. And that's the, the bar, major theme I'm going to focus on with you today. Like this idea that Jesus had they're, of they're following the final him. 15, following him. That's good. I don't know what your well, ideas Jesus about is. church are. I don't know what you think church is all about. I don't know if you believe that our goal in inviting you here today and getting you to come and being a part of what we do is so that we can somehow fix your life. I mean, white and blue. So that we can get you to stop sinning. So we can get you to stop doing the things that you shouldn't do and start doing the things that you should do. I know this, that in Jesus' day when he walked around, a lot of people thought about God very much like that. That what God was mostly interested in was a system of do's and don'ts and rules and rituals and obligations. And you don't really connect with God directly. You kind of got to go through through certain people. And certain people have access to God, but regular folks like us, we don't. And if you can get close to those people who have access to God, then maybe you'll be okay. And if you can figure out the rules just right and you don't break them, maybe you'll be okay. And if you belong in a certain society or with a certain group, then maybe you'll be okay. Or if you have a certain bloodline, maybe you'll be okay. Or maybe if you have a certain amount of wisdom or knowledge, special insight to theological or God stuff, you'll be okay. And yet when you read the Bible, Jesus goes around shattering those ideas. In those verses we've already read, he calls ordinary fishermen to begin a relationship with him, to follow him. Ordinary fishermen who had already, in their life, had already been determined for them that they didn't qualify to continue in school. See, back, back in the day when Jesus was walking on the earth, every young man their mother would speak over them every day. You're going to be used by God powerfully. That, that's a good word for mothers to speak over kids. But what they meant in that particular culture was, is we're going to send you to school. We're going to train you. We're going to raise you up. And if you're smart enough, if you're bright enough, you'll continue to go to school. And one day you'll get to be a rabbi. Or you'll get to be a Pharisee. Or you'll get to be a scribe. And then God will use you. He'll be pleased with you. Which means, by the way, if you were a young man in that society like these fishermen and you weren't a Pharisee or a scribe or you weren't a rabbi at this point, it means that at some point along the way you failed out of school. You didn't make the cut. And so you had to go back to your family business. And Jesus goes to these ordinary men and he says, I want you to follow me. In fact, I want to take you to one story right at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus extends an invitation like this to somebody who honestly, if we looked at his life, if you and I could understand him, if we had known him up front and personal, we would wonder, we would shake our heads at why Jesus would invite this guy to follow him. This story is found in Mark chapter 2. So just one page over in your Bible. 
Jesus has been walking around and talking to people and trying to help them see what the Father is like and explaining to them this invitation that God has. And so fishermen, who aren't all that bad, they're making an honest living, they're responding. And other people are responding to Jesus. People in great need are responding to Jesus. And while Jesus was going along his way, the Bible says he comes up, well, he comes up on a tax collector. A tax collector. Here's what the Bible says. As he walked along, he, Jesus, saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax collector's booth. Now, let's, let's pause there for just a moment. Do you, do you know what tax collectors were like? I mean, listen, you know we're right around the corner from, like, tax time, right? And I, I bet you're like me. I bet you don't really enjoy this time. That's just me. I mean, I'm not looking for a big return. In fact, I'm hoping to just break even this time. That's kind of where I am on this. But back in Jesus' day, this was a much bigger deal, much more oppressive. Here's what would happen. Rome, who was in authority at the time that Jesus was living, Rome was all the way to the west of Palestine where Jesus was. And Rome would sell to the highest bidder the right to someone, of someone to collect taxes in any given province. So you could buy the right to, to collect taxes in Palestine if you were a Roman citizen. And you would, if you had owned the right, you would set up kind of a multi-level collection scheme where you would hire local people to come and collect taxes over all areas of life. You would find tax collectors sitting by bridges with a couple Roman soldiers standing behind them. But before you could cross the bridge, you'd have to pay a tax. And when you would go to the market and you wanted to buy grain or grapes or drink, you would have to pay a, a, a tax. And it, they, they were stationed at the ports. And what these people who would buy the rights to collect taxes would do, what they would do is they would hire local people who understood the customs and the, the trade routes and the activities of the locals. They would hire them to collect and then they would give them the right to take off the top whatever they could take. So it was a very lucrative business. But you can imagine, if you were a Palestinian or if you were an Israelite, the people who lived in that time, if you were an, an Israelite who lived in that time and your neighbor who you used to know grew up with, climbed trees with, played ball with, he's now a tax collector and he knows your routine and he knows when you go to market and he's there to collect. You can imagine that these tax collectors were despised. You want to know how much they were despised? When the Bible talks about tax collectors, it gives them a special notification. The Bible talks about sinners <laughs> and tax collectors. Now, sinners, you know what sinners are. Sinners are in the Bible. They're the prostitutes. They're the child beaters. They're the thieves. They're the murderers, right? So that was a bad, ca you don't want to be in the category of sinner. Right? That's a bad thing. But worse than that, like one step lower was the tax collector. Jesus was going around and here was a tax collector sitting at the tax collector's booth. And I know what happened as they walked by. There was Peter and James and John and Andrew and the other followers with Jesus. And they were kind of murmuring under breath. There's one. There's one right there. Can you believe what he's doing? That traitor. He's in bed with Rome. And he's taking advantage of us. And Jesus sees Levi collecting taxes. And he looks at Levi and he says, follow me, Jesus tells him. Follow me. And I can imagine Peter and Andrew and James and John looking at, at Jesus going, what? Now, now listen, we're glad to follow you, but we gave up legitimate businesses. We were fishermen and, and we walked away from that and, 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 and we, we get it. But him, 
Peter would say, I'm a sinner, but I'm kind of like a sinner on accident. I don't mean to do anything. But this guy, he's like sinning on purpose. He knows what he's doing. In fact, tax collectors were so bad that they were considered, this was a big deal, they were considered ceremonially unclean, which meant they couldn't even go to church. They couldn't go to temple. They weren't allowed to have dinner with ordinary folks because to even be around them would make their, like, their cooties rub off on you. Um, you know, like tax collector cooties, you know, kind of stuff. And so you weren't even allowed to hang around with these people. And so Peter and Andrew and James and John, they're looking at Jesus and they're going, what? what? You're, you're inviting him? Now, some of you, you may have the idea that what Jesus' goal in life is, is to get up close and personal to you so that he can figure out all the ickiness of your life, all the junk of your life, so he can make you feel bad about what you've done, so that he can remind you just how far you've fallen. And in Matthew or Levi, it's the same guy, Levi or Matthew. In, In Levi or Matthew's case, Jesus could have done that. He could have gone up to Levi, Matthew, and said to him, look, I know all the deal. I know how that you basically are taking advantage of the people that you grew up with. I know how you really are the lowest of the low. Jesus could have been very, very right in Matthew's life. Where Matthew or Levi was very wrong, Jesus could have shown him the right way. But here's something that you begin to discover when you read the gospel. This may sound a little different. This might be a little edgy. But Jesus, by the way, didn't come to this earth to prove that he was right. That's not why he came. Jesus didn't come to say, look how good I am, look how bad you are. Look how good these people over here are, look how bad you are. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to earth to prove that he was exactly right. He came to be followed. So here's our simple concept. Every single day, Jesus gives the people in the Bible and he gives to us a simple opportunity to follow God. Not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, not because we understand it all, not because we've made up our mind to change. He looks at people in the Bible and he says to them, Wherever you are, would you be willing to do really what is a pretty simple thing? Would you be willing to push your chair back, stand up, and begin to follow me? This is exactly what he said to Levi, who was sitting at the tax collector's booth. Would you be willing to push your chair back, stand up right now with everything else going on in your life, and begin to follow me? He didn't say, would you be willing to lay aside, Levi, all of your stuff? Would you be willing, Levi, to make right all the wrong that you've done? Would you be willing, Levi, to believe everything that I say? He didn't say any of that. Would you be willing, Levi, to turn away from your wickedness? Would you be willing, Levi, to go back to temple? I know you've been gone for a long time and you only show up for the big days. Would you be willing, Levi, to re-engage the scripture? Would you be willing, Levi, to make right what you made wrong? He didn't say any of that. He looked at him and he said, would you be willing to do something that really is a pretty simple act, has huge implications? Would you be willing to push your chair back from the table, stand up, and follow me? This This invitation 
happens every day. There is every day an invitation from Jesus to you and to me to take one single step in the direction of Jesus and follow him. One single step in the direction of Jesus and follow him. Now, here's why Jesus does this. Jesus knows. <laughs> Jesus knows that if we'll follow him, before we turn our mind all the way in his attention, before we understand all the Bible, before we make all of our wrong right, before we clean up our lives, before we take a shower and put on our best clothes, Jesus knows that if we'll just, wherever we're starting from, begin to follow him, he'll have an opportunity to do what his mission is. And that is to explain to you and me what the Father is like. Jesus went around this earth when you read the Gospels. The whole reason he came and gave his life and was resurrected was so that he would have an opportunity to show the earth once and for all, this is what God is like. This is God's heart for you. This is the kind of relationship God wants with you. And it all begins not with you and I getting cleaned up. I again, I don't know what you have thought about church. It doesn't begin with us teaching you rudimentary theology or getting you to grow deep in your knowledge. It doesn't begin there. Not when you read the Jesus of the Bible. And it doesn't begin with you changing your voter registration from one category to another category. It doesn't begin with you lining up with what other people said you needed to line up. It all begins with whether or not you and I will push back from the table we're at stand up and begin to follow him. Now, when you read Mark, right after Jesus said, will you follow me? Here's what it says. <laughs> Levi got up and followed him. Levi got up and followed him. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, now this begs the question, where does Jesus want us to follow him to? I, I, listen, I, I know, I know. I know what Peter says. <laughs> Peter says, I know what we should do. We should let Levi follow Jesus to the woodshed. And we'll give him a good, you know, sound beating. Uh, I bet somebody would have said, we need to get Levi to follow us to church so that we can get him cleaned up and we can teach him the right ideas and we can show him just how nasty and dirty he is. I bet some well-meaning person in the group would have said, we need to get Levi to come to a small group so that with the combined positive peer pressure of our group, we can talk him out of his lifestyle. This is why I love the Bible. This is why, by the way, if you're a little skeptical today and you're not really on board with Jesus, and I encourage you to read your Bible. Here, here's what I know. I, I've done enough conversations with people. I've had enough conversations with people that when I meet somebody who says, I don't really get it. I don't really like Jesus. I don't really understand the thing. Church isn't for me. I know that nine times out of ten, and you might be the one exception, of course you are, but nine times out of ten, here's what I've discovered. That it's not really the Jesus of the Bible they're having a hard time with. It's the Jesus somebody told them about. It's the Jesus they heard about. It's the impression that was left on them, the, the, the sour taste in their mouth as they encountered Jesus' followers. Because when you read the Jesus of the Bible, the people who were least like Jesus, the least churchy people, they couldn't wait to get around this guy. And this guy couldn't wait to get around them. So something radically has shifted 
So if you're here today and you're like, I'm not on board with all this church stuff. I'm just here because it's Easter and I heard you go straight to hell if you don't go to church on Easter. Listen, I don't know why you're here, but if you have this impression that somehow, somehow, you know, you're just kind of tolerating this, but you're not into it and you know what Christians are really like. Let me just challenge you with this simple question. When was the last time you really read the Bible? Because when you read the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see people like Levi who knew he was a sinner. He had already given up. He had already resigned himself. He was in a lucrative business and decided it wasn't worth all the church stuff. It wasn't worth all the God stuff. His idea was probably something like this. I know I'm going to hell. I'm just going to try to enjoy the ride well until I get there. That was probably where he was. And Jesus looked at that very guy and he said, will you follow me? So, if you're not like Jesus, here's what you should know. Jesus would like you. He would. And you would like him. If he were to come here today, he would hang around with you. He would enjoy your company. He would like to get to know you. And you wouldn't get this overwhelming sense of pressure to conform to somebody else's standards of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. Which means that if you interacted with Jesus like that, you would see God's heart for you on display directly without any sense of filter, without some bad experience you have covering and shadowing your idea and your experience. No, if you... If you were to be here with Jesus, you would like him, and he would like you. So where, where did Jesus ask Matthew to follow him to? <laughs> here's what I love, the very next verse. Mark chapter 2, verse 15, here's what it says. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi, or Matthew's house. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. No. So Jesus, I gotta, here's Peter. Right, Peter always put his foot in his mouth. Here's Jesus saying to Levi, get up and follow me. And Peter wants to go give him a beating. John wants to take him to temple to teach him the right way. And, and Andrew wants to get him in a small group and put, and put positive peer pressure on him to get him to change. And Jesus takes Matthew to Matthew's own house. When you read this story in one of the other Gospels in Luke, the Bible tells us that, in fact, it wasn't just going to his house to kind of sit around. They threw a party. They threw a party. And the Bible says right here that many <laughs> tax collectors and sinners, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. So it wasn't just like Levi, but like all, by the way, who comes to your parties? You know who comes? The people who had fun at your last party. Or, 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 or they think they did. They only remember the first part, but they were told the second part of your party was very fun. And so when, when you have a party, they come back. And this is the people, by the way, who came to Matthew or Levi's party. They, they came and they were sitting there with Jesus and they were having dinner together. Jesus was breaking a rule here, by the way. People had said, if you really want to connect with God, you've got to get it all together and you can only hang out with certain people. If you hang out with the wrong people, you're going to get unclean. You're going to get their cooties. But Jesus is there and he's having dinner with Levi and many other tax collectors and sinners. And they were there with his disciples there were a lot of people that followed him. Yeah, if, if you were around Jesus, you would like him. What that means is, is if you don't like Jesus, it's probably because somebody like me in a position like this somehow left the wrong impression on you. It could be 
that maybe some church experience in the back or the way the media portrays followers of Jesus has left a bad taste in your mouth. And this really breaks the heart of God because the whole reason he sent Jesus to this earth was so that you and I could see with great clarity the heart of the Father for us. That's the whole reason he came. And when Jesus is displaying the heart of the Father, what he wants people to know is what God wants from you. Here here it is. What God wants from you is for you to push back the chair, stand up, and begin to follow him. Now, not everybody likes this. There are people who are on the inside who don't enjoy this quality about God. It makes them uncomfortable. They feel like if if those of us that are following Jesus acted like Jesus, then maybe some of the ickiness of people who aren't like Jesus would rub off on those of us who think we are like Jesus. And it makes people very uncomfortable. And so they set up rules and standards and, 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 and kind of paradigms that make people, try to make people fit into them. And all the while, Jesus is looking at people and saying, would you just follow me? You want want to see how the the conflict happened in Mark's gospel right here, in Mark chapter 2, verse 16? Now, here's what the Bible says. When the teachers of the law, so these are like people who understand the Bible. They're like the theologians. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, so like back in that day, the Pharisees, they were were the people who had it all together. They, They said the right words and avoided the wrong words. They, they knew when to, to do the thing in church, you know. They knew when to, to, to move the hands and kneel the knees. And they knew all that stuff. And so when the teachers of the law, <laughs> who were Pharisees, saw him, Jesus, eating with sinners and then the lower ones, the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, I love this about Jesus. Verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, hmm. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, the people who got it all together, the right doers, the right thinkers, the right speakers. I haven't come to call the righteous. I've come to call the sinners. Now, now listen, here is where it gets beautiful, and here's where the rubber meets the road. Because if you were Levi, or, or his name is also called Matthew, and you were overhearing this, here's what many of us would think. What? Jesus, I heard you. You're just pretending. You came to my house and we're having dinner and now you're saying I'm sick. Now you're saying I'm a sinner. You don't get any of that exchange in the Bible here. You don't get any of that. See, here's what I know after talking to many people and having these moments myself. When something's not right in my life, I I know it. Many of us in this room, like, if you were honest in the quiet of the night when you're being truly honest with yourself, nobody else is truly honest with yourself, you know if things are put together right in your life. You know, you know if your relationships are happening you know, the way they're supposed to be happening or if there's chaos there. You, you know, like I know, if I'm upside down in my finances and I haven't done right by that. You, you know, like I know, if there are black marks next to the integrity list of my life. There was something about Levi or Matthew that when Jesus said, follow him, and he got up and followed him, there was in him a willingness to just be honest with himself and say, I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I'd love for you to think I am. 
In fact, more than you think I am, would you do me a favor? Would you just treat me like I am? I mean, let's just have a little agreement between us. You know I'm not perfect. I know I'm perfect. But would you please treat me like I've got my stuff all together? But that's not at all the way Matthew or Levi acted. He knew in the quiet of the night when he was honest with himself, he knew where in his life there was chaos. He knew the distance he felt between him and the Father. He knew the turning of the heart he had away from God into his own pursuits for his own benefit. He knew the chaos that was, that was producing in his life. Jesus came to this earth to show us the heart of the Father. He wanted us to know what God was like and what God wanted with us was a relationship. A relationship best defined by a relationship of a father to a son, a vine to the branch, a sheep to the shepherd, but there would need to be in us a willingness to admit that we don't have it all together. You don't have to admit it to me. You have to admit it to yourself. And I bet you're like me, that in the quiet of the night, when you're honest with yourself, you would acknowledge that there are some areas of your life where you're not fully put together, where it's not perfect. So when Levi heard Jesus say to the Pharisees, look, I didn't come for people like you that got it all together. I came for people who realized, you know, maybe, maybe I could use a little bit of help. I came for the addict who would say, I've tried it all on my own and I can't make it happen. I've worked this thing. For the young couple who got married and it was so beautiful for such a, a while and then like the honeymoon ended. And they're like, I, no matter what we try, we don't seem to be able to, to connect. To the parent who would say, I try to be a good parent. I try to provide, and I just don't understand why I can't make it happen with my kids the way I can't understand why. For the person that would say, you know, there was that line on, the, on my taxes. I was filling it out, and just in a moment, I just, I just kind of put the wrong number in that thing. And, and for the guy who says, I, I was just kind of surfing the web at night, and all of a sudden, I'm all the way over here, and I never even meant to be all the way over here. For those kind of people, Jesus has all the time in the world. He says, I didn't come to spend time with people who got it all together. I came to spend time with people who in the quiet of the night, when they're honest with themselves, know this, that they aren't put together. They're not complete. There are black marks. There's, there's problems. This upsets, by the way, the Pharisees. It makes them angry because if God himself were to come to earth and want to spend time with anybody at all, of course it would be the Pharisees. Of course it would be the teachers of the law. Of course it would be the scribes and the rabbis. And here's Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners who somehow seem to know that they don't have it all put together. You want to know what the gospel story is all about? It's about a God who came to this earth to make sure that his creation, you and me, knew what his heart for us was. And we knew how much he wanted to have a relationship with us. And not only that, he didn't set the bar so high that we couldn't attain it. He made the first steps towards him very low to the ground. I have an old ladder at my house. I was on it yesterday trying to clean out some gutters. And because it's my ladder, I know about it. I would never loan it to you because it's very unsafe, you would sue me. But here's, here's the problem with this ladder. The first step is loose. <laughs> 
and, and more than once I've been getting off and the whole thing will turn, right? I can fix it. I just haven't, I'm, I'm a little bit lazy, but and it's okay. Jesus loves me. It, it's all right. But so I know when I'm climbing my ladder, I know, I know you step over the first one, you grab hold and you pull yourself up to the second step. Now, let me tell you what we've done. And maybe this has been your experience. We've basically said, here's a ladder to God. Jump through the hoops. Do the thing. Get it cleaned up. We've left with the people with the impression that before you can come to God, you gotta, gotta get your life together. It would be just like me loaning you that ladder with the first rung missing so that your first steps towards the goal you're trying to reach, it's too far. Jesus came and he said, look, Religious people have been doing this. They, they keep slipping into this mistake. I've come to this earth so you would know that the first rung to the Father is close to the ground. Would you be willing to push your chair back and follow me? When Matthew or Levi said that, Jesus went to his house and got to know him because here's the deal. Jesus knows that if you'll follow him, he'll have an opportunity to show you what the Father's like. Every day there is before you and me an opportunity to get up and follow Jesus. I didn't say get up and believe it all. I didn't say get up and sign on the dotted line. I didn't say get up and, 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 and join a church or get your life cleaned up. Every day you and I have a choice to get up and put one foot in front of the other and begin to follow Jesus with what really are very small baby steps. For you and me, they may be emotionally bold and huge. That's why when Jesus came, he said, would you follow me? And man, these disciples did. And when you read their story, not what people said about them, by the way, not what, not what your freshman Bible class said about them, your professor, but what the Bible, that's why you got to read your Bible, friends. When you read the Bible, what you find with these people is all through their journey with Jesus, even after they begin to follow, they were messed up, they blew it, and there was a patience in Jesus to work with them. Here's how patient he was. For three and a half years, he called people. And on the last day of his life, while he is hanging on a cross, the people who were following him, they largely disappeared. I mean, they were so imperfect in their following that when he could have used his friends around him the most, he hung solitarily on a cross. But the good news is that's not the end of the story, is it? Three days later, the Bible tells us that God raised Jesus from the dead as proof, as security, that what God was trying to communicate to us through Jesus was true. That God would accept what Jesus did for us to have a relationship with the Father. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, the very end of the story, which by the way, over the next few weeks, we'll be looking between Mark chapter 3 and 16. They show up. They show up at the tomb, the ladies do, to dress the body, to take care of him, to give him a proper burial, even though he had a terrible death. And here's what the Bible says. Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Now, see the place where they laid him. I mean, he's gone. He's, not, he's no longer dead. And I like this. But go tell his disciples and Peter, the one who keeps messing up, make sure Peter knows too, that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. Now, look, look, read between the lines here. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, the words aren't explicit here, but Jesus had told them to go to Galilee. I'll meet you there. Basically, what he's saying is, 
after you've messed up and deserted me? Will you follow me? I'm going to be here. Will you come to where I am? Will you walk towards me? They had all deserted him. And here at the pinnacle of what we all are celebrating today, on Easter Sunday morning, on Resurrection Sunday, the angel leaves words for the followers of Jesus who aren't following him. Will you follow him where he told you to go? Here's the beauty. Can I tell you something? It's not what you're doing. It's who you're following that matters. Man, I'm not, I'm not on board. I'm not, I'm not, listen, it's not what you're doing. It's not what name or list or list your name is on. It's who are you following that's important to God. He knows that if you'll get up and you'll begin to follow him, he'll have an opportunity to teach and explain and give you a real chance to decide what you're going to do with God. So here's my question. Will you follow him today? Like, I mean, metaphorically, you don't have to stand up right now, but would you, would you push your seat back and stand up and just begin to follow him? You might be surprised where he would take you. I bet you Matthew had no idea that they were going to his house. Yeah, there was the place that Jesus began to form a relationship over dinner, over conversation, they began to talk. And I'm telling you, that's the heart of your heavenly father for you. If you're not ready to sign it all and commit it all and join the church and get it, if you'd be willing to do what Jesus invites you to do, he invites us to you every single day, every single person. Would you begin, no matter where you're starting from, would you take your next step, simple, small, but bold, will you begin to follow him? This is what Resurrection Sunday is all about. It's about confirming that this approach to God is what God wanted you and I to know. That even death, if we are following God, cannot stop us from reaching him. Will you follow him today? Now around here, the way we do that is we use our connect card that you filled out earlier in the service. Would you grab that out? And on the front of that connect card, there's an A, B, C, D, and E. And this is the way that we, in this church, every single Sunday, if you're visiting, you come back next week, we'll do it again. Every single Sunday, we use it as an opportunity. We call it take your next bold step. Now, it may be a small step, but it's our way to not just get stirred and hear good stuff. Can I be so direct as to tell you, all we're trying to do is do what Jesus did. Give you an opportunity, no matter where you're starting from, whether you believe me or not, to actually engage the journey with Jesus so that Jesus can teach you what the Father's like. So then you can make an honest decision about whether or not you want to do life with God or not. So here's next step A for some of us in the room. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. These are for people that like you, you feel God calling to you and you want to commit your life to make him the Lord, which simply means the leader of your life. So he's going to lead, you're going to follow. And the Savior, which is the coverer of all the sin, all the mistakes, all the imperfection of your past. If you want to do that, you can check the box. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, the biblical word for agreement is just amen. That's why people say amen at the end of a prayer. It's like, I agree with what you say. When I get done praying, if you just want to say, God, what Ben prayed, amen to that. That's what I want in my life. And you put this card in the offering bucket when it comes by later at the end of the service. We're going to send you some information about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. We're not going to pressure you. We're just going to inform you. Next step B. Some people, 
in our church last week, 11 of them got baptized as a way of saying, I am walking with Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm experiencing the joy of following him. And 11 of them, one after another, we dunked them right here. And maybe that's what you need to do. If you need to do that, check that box. All right, next step, C. I bet there's a few of us in the room like this. I'm not ready to commit to everything right now. All right, ooh, it's a big, ooh, a lot right there. Okay, okay. So maybe, though, you're ready to begin following Jesus. I don't mean get to the top of the ladder. I mean take that first step. What this is is a bold step because I'm asking you to investigate and let God talk to you. And say, look, look, listen, I'm terrified potentially. That's where you are. I'm terrified. I don't know what this is going to mean. I don't know what the implication is. Jesus would say to you, all that can come later. But would you just take one step in his direction today? Whatever that means for you. If it's an emotional, I'm going to lay this hurt down. I'm going I'm to put this away. I, that person disappointed me. That pastor did the wrong thing. I'm going to put that away. And I'm going to, for myself, take a step towards Jesus. If that's you, check that box. And let us, over the next few days, as a staff, pray for you. All right, next step, D. I don't think I have a clear enough picture of Jesus. Maybe some of you would say that. So I'm going to commit to actively discover more of him by reading the Gospel of Mark this week. It's 16 chapters long. You can read it in about an hour and a half. I'm giving you a whole week, all right? And listen, don't avoid a relationship with Jesus because of what you've heard other people have said about him. Don't do that. Don't base it on your 8-year-old or 13-year-old or 17 or 25-year-old understanding and experience. Where you are right now, re-engage and take a step. Maybe you can do that by reading the Gospel of Mark. Now this next one is a little bit of a stretch. But it's for the person that says, look, I I really want to make an informed decision. I want to have intellectual honesty and integrity. Here's next step B. I will make a real effort to attend the next three weeks of the Mark series. Where all we're going to do as a church is just talk about Jesus. We talked about following today. We have three other major, major movements in the book of Mark where Jesus wants you to know him and connect with him. He's not trying to be distant. He's not trying to keep you away. He wants you to understand so that you can engage him. And I want to ask you to have some intellectual integrity here and actually see what Jesus said of himself and what he said of God and then make a decision that way. So we're going to pray about those things right now and then do a little bit more worship. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, God, I want to thank you That even in your death and resurrection, you called us to follow you. Lord, when, when when the followers of Jesus had deserted you at the cross and you were risen from the dead, you gave instruction and said, would would you follow me here if you will? I'll accept you. I'll embrace you. God, I'm sorry that somewhere people like me in churches like this have convinced people that you wouldn't like them. That they somehow got to get cleaned up before they can come to you. God, would you forgive us, churches, for somehow giving the wrong impression? I mean, your whole point in coming was so that we would know the Father. We could have an intimate and protective and life-giving relationship with you. God, I pray for those folks today that are saying, God, I know I'm not all put together. I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I've made mistakes. And I put my faith and trust in you as my Lord and Savior. They're doing that for the first time today. God, I want to thank you for those people that have intellectual integrity. And they want to know more. But they're going to get up and take their first step in pursuing you. 
and understanding you. God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would do what you did in the New Testament. As we follow you, you would take that opportunity to teach us and show us and demonstrate to us the heart of our Father to us so that, God, we would run to you with open arms, embracing all that you have for us, eternal life, salvation, life here abundant, powerful and healthy relationships. I pray it in the name of Jesus, the risen Son of God. Amen and amen.